Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to episode number four of Being Famous Podcast. I am your host. My name is Cliff. As always, thanks for checking out the podcast. Greatly appreciated. For more information about myself and the podcast, please visit my webpage at beingfamouspodcast.com. While you're there, please subscribe and leave a comment. That would also be much appreciated. Facebook and Instagram are at Being Famous Podcast. Since starting this podcast, I've had the opportunity to talk with a couple of actors from two of my favorite movies, Joseph D'Onofrio from A Bronx Tale and John Philbin from North Shore. We're going to keep it going in this episode with Frank Jasper, who played the character of Brian Shute in the 1985 movie Vision Quest with Matthew Modine, Linda Florentino, Michael Schaffling, and Daphne Zanuga. So without further ado, let's jump right into it with Frank Jasper. Frank how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, Cliff? I am doing fantastic. Nice to be talking to you. Where are you calling from, Frank? I'm in Pacific Palisades, California. Very nice. That's a fantastic area. Been to the Palisades many times myself. How is the Palisades? You know, it was uh, overcast this morning, and I got out on the tennis court at 8 o'clock this morning and played for an hour and a half, so I cannot complain about weather. Definitely tough to beat that Southern California weather. How long have you been in the Palisades? Uh, just a little over 30 years. Wow, quite a while. Yeah, my wife and I have had a clinic here since 1995. Have a, a Osani Holistic Healthcare. With we deal with health, fitness, and longevity. Nice. Have you always been in the Palisades? I first moved to California. I went to El Segundo and slept on the floor of my uh, brother's apartment. And then I went to Hermosa Beach and I stayed there and slept on a futon because I was an actor. Finances were tight, so I shared a one bedroom. I slept on the futon couch in the front room. So now uh, I've been in the Palisades for over 30 years. There's a spot called, uh, I don't particularly care for the name, but there's a coffee shop called Juicy Ladies right there on Sunset. You ever go? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's actually uh, one of our favorite places to go eat. Is it really? Okay. Food there is fantastic. And they have the bowls. They have uh, wraps. It's all uh, organic. It's a great place for us to go. Yeah, man. Healthy eats in that outside deck that overlooks the Pacific Ocean definitely a cool spot. That's for sure. Frank, Vision Quest, man, you were part of a cult classic. Tell me about it. It is hung in there and the wrestling community has embraced this movie to the relate to his intensity, his drive, his uh, dedication to the sport. Of course, you play the role of Brian Shute. How did it all begin for you? The movie was released in 1985. I was casting it in 1983. There was a period of time where we shot for 10 weeks and I was cast on location. I actually was a bodybuilder and athletic trainer at Eastern Washington University. I was attending Eastern Washington at the time. I got cast in this role and I dropped 25 pounds in two and a half weeks so that I would look be closer to Matthew's weight and still be threatening. That was my big, cut, uh, big weight cut. I did that for 10 weeks. And when you say Matthew, of course, you're referring to Matthew Modine, who played Loudon Swain. 25 pounds in two and a half weeks, Frank. Wow, that is pretty intense. Tell me about your time at Eastern Washington University. So I was in the athletic training program. So for that, you have to put in 4,000 hours in the athletic training room. You're on a pre-med uh, curriculum. And so when I finish my classes during the day, then I start my time in the athletic training room. 
it's a full day. So I would start classes in the morning at eight, lunch at 12, back to classes, back to dinner. And then as soon as I finished dinner, I would go to the athletic training room. And then after that, I would go and train. I'd lift weights till about 11 o'clock at night and start again next day, six o'clock, 6.30 in the morning. How was it to uh, train like that, that hardcore and that intent? I loved it. It was some of the most intense and some of the best bodybuilding I did. Those three years leading up to right before I got cast in Vision Quest, I was grinding in the gym just like Shoot was grinding with the log on his back in the stadium. That's great, man. And we'll talk about that scene in just a bit. But tell me, how did you get cast as Brian Shoot? So at Eastern Washington was the athletic training student tr uh, trainer for the wrestling program that particular semester. And I was just sitting in the class reading one of my medical textbooks and this guy came in. His name is Rick Default. And Rick, the wrestler at Eastern Washington, but had taken that semester off because he was already working as an extra in this movie. He just came in to kind of hang out and watch wrestling and we're talking and tells me about the movie and then says, hey, they're still looking for somebody that can wrestle. Six foot tall, muscular build. And he looks over at me and he goes, that's you. you Got to go do this. And I just had no intention of doing it, but he gave me the casting director's number, said, please, she's really nice. Go talk to her. Check it out. You can make some money. Okay. Okay, let's see if I can go make some money, watch a movie being made. I could really get into that because during the summer, I was working as a bouncer at a place called the Slab Inn and I wasn't getting paid a whole lot of money to throw people around and to be thrown around. So I was really happy. <laughs> that, hey, I can make some money and just watch this movie being made. So I'll go check it out. Well, Rick never told me that the character had any lines. And so... When I walked into the casting director's office, she hands me these papers and goes, look these over and we'll go through them. I had no idea what they were, but they were called sides and sides are what you read for, you know, the role in the movie. You know, I was a little stunned, but anyway, so we read and uh, I made a mistake. I kind of laughed because I was nervous. And she looked at me and just uh, really directly said, we're looking for intensity here. If you make a mistake, continue on as if nothing happened. Got it. All right. So we read through it one more time. Went okay. So she calls the director. Director says, oh, I got to see him. So we walk and go into his office and he just looks at me and he takes the sides out of my hands and he says, okay, you know the words now. And I got to say, I, I didn't think twice. I just trusted him that I knew the words good enough. And so we did the scene. He said, great. Um, now I need to see if you can wrestle. So next thing you need to do is you need to go out to where they're, everybody's practicing and Cash Stone, who's the overseer of all the wrestlers, he has to see if you can wrestle. And if he does, we can move forward. I uh, hadn't wrestled in a few years. I mean, the last time I wrestled was in Pasco, Washington, shortly before I went to Eastern, which was three years prior. And I trained with the college team there at Pasco because they needed somebody in my weight. And this kid that was to school with my brother was there at Pasco. And he said, please come in and work out with me. And so I trained the entire season with the with Pasco college team. And so that was the last time I wrestled. Very cool story, man. So obviously, you had some wrestling experience. Frank, when you read your sides for Harold Becker, who's obviously the director of Vision Quest, do you remember what your lines were? It was a stadium scene. So not a ton of lines to memorize. So three or four lines, right? you know. Uh, but it's the one that sells it or doesn't sell it. It's the iconic scene that everybody, you know, remembers. They come through this like tunnel and then look down and this guy is carrying this log on his back and shoulders. He's there alone. He's just training. He's just going to get stronger and beat everybody in his path. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just really a great scene, man. And a great way for them to introduce you into the movie as Brian Shoot. And when you're referring to them walking through the tunnel, Frank, of course, you're referring to Matthew Modine, uh, who played Loudon Swain, and uh, Michael Shoffling, of course, who played Cooch. 
Just a great scene. Frank, can you do that scene with me? Let's do the scene, Frank. Oh, man. All right. You know the scene? Yeah, man. Of course I do. Can you do it? I'll do my best. We're going to leave out Cooch. We'll leave out Cooch's line. <laughs> okay. Here we go. All right. Shoot. Hey, shoot. Yeah? Do I know you? Loud and Swain, Thompson High. Think you'll make the wait? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Classic, Frank. <laughs> That's just such a great scene. And here's what I like. Shoot really wasn't a bad guy. Shoot was an athlete who was focused, who was training, and who was looking forward to the competition. Shoot wasn't going to be the guy that was going to drop the log run up and try to kick Loudon's ass. That wasn't shoot. He was determined, he was focused, and he was looking forward to the competition. He's all serious. He's all in. There's nothing that's holding him back, and he's dedicated, and you just, you just, he has one thing on his mind, and he's going to beat whoever steps onto that mat, and it's, that's his whole game plan. Tell me about that scene and what you remember about shooting it. So that was an interesting scene because it looks like it's really sunny out and warm. But you notice that Matthew and Cooch are both wearing jackets or uh, Cooch maybe has his vest on. But it's absolutely freezing that day. And everybody that's that's in the uh, crew that's working, they're all wearing parkas and gloves and stocking hats. And so I'm in a tank top and shorts. And so that liquid or that what looks like it's sweat on my face is glycerin that they had to put on there to make it look like I was sweating. That day went really smoothly. Frank, how long did that scene take to shoot? That was a half a day. They had to shoot it long. They had to shoot it close. They had to shoot it intercut their their conversation in a close-up of me. Every time you finish one thing, it, they have to reset. So you finish that 30-second or that part, and then you got to reset. And then it takes an hour for the cameras to get set, the lights get set. It's you know major production. What do you think the temperature was that day? Very cold. Uh, you can almost probably see our, our breath, but just short of that. So when you're talking about resetting, when you guys would reset, uh, were you hanging out with Matthew Modine and Michael Shoffling at that time when you guys were resetting? I was kind of by myself and I don't know if Harold meant to do it that way. I, I just never felt that Matthew and I were just hanging out and talking. No, it was like I finished the scene. He would be over here. I'd be over there. And I think that that kept some kind of you know, edginess. He didn't really know, know me. And I think I didn't really become friends with him at that point. It was much later. Wow. What about Michael Shuffling? Same type of thing? Same thing. So was it like that throughout the whole course of the movie between you and Modine to where you basically had no contact with him at all? Exactly. I never spoke with him other than when we did a scene. That's it. Yeah, that's interesting, man. It seems like you guys, you know, I mean, Matthew was an athletic guy. You were an athletic guy. He's an actor. I mean, I know you're kind of a uh, up and coming actor at that point in time. It seems like there would have been some sort of, you know, dialogue between you guys and some sort yeah. of relationship. That's interesting yeah, the way that played out. I don't know if, if Harold did it by, uh, you know, by design, but it's just the way things worked out. So when you land this role, <laughs> you have no representation at that time, correct? That's correct. So, man, how does the whole money situation work then? Well, they gave me just above initial wage. So here's the minimum wage you could possibly get. And I got just above that. I made probably, I think it was around eleven dollars or $1,200 a week. This role had been cast twice before, and neither one of those guys worked out. So those characters that were hired before were making five grand a week. Wow. $1,100 or $1,200 a week versus $5,000 a week. Yeah, that's a... Uh... That's a significant difference. They got you on the cheap, Frank. How long did it take to shoot Vision Quest? 10 weeks. 10 weeks. So what are you doing in those 10 weeks? 
Because you're not on set. Are you on set every single day? Not at all. No. Um, so it seemed like I was there every week, but I wasn't there every day. There are times when they do outtakes in different parts. You know, Matthew is the lead. I just had this great little role where I had to play the antagonist. And I just need to show up at key points to kind of keep pushing that challenge. Gotcha. Obviously, Madonna had a cameo in Vision Quest. Did you have anything to do with her or anything to do with that scene? That was a night shoot and I never got to meet her, which would have been really cool if I could have said, yeah, I met her when. No doubt the material girl. How was it to work with Harold Becker? Harold had an eye for detail like you can't even believe. Like you saw the way my hair was cut, right? It was really tight on the side and a little flat top, but it was short. Well, it had been three days since I'd been on set and didn't even cut my hair, but they said it's, it's okay. It's not going to make a difference. And I'm sitting out on the mat now in my wrestling gear and I'm just stretching and Harold shot a scene. And then now they're resetting. They're breaking down and resetting. And he comes walking over and he's watching these guys reset. And he looks down and he goes, hey, have you been to makeup yet? And I said, oh, yeah, I've been there already. And he goes, did they cut your hair? And I went, no. He goes, go back, make him cut your hair. Three days I haven't been there. That's the kind of detail. Detail. Crazy. Yeah, he also directed Taps, which was a really good movie. Frank, what was it like to be on a movie set? So I never got used to, if you need anything, what do you need? And I would just kind of laugh and I was just like, uh, I'm cool. You know, I'm not used to this. I come from working class. You know, my dad was an iron worker. I, I was an iron worker. So it was very bizarre in that part. That's great. Back to the stadium scene one more time. Frank, you're the most intimidating guy I've ever seen in tube socks. <laughs> that's that's oh, pretty man. good. That's uh, pretty that, great, that man. Hey, Frank, any sort of contact with Linda Forentino? during the filming not during the filming uh yeah i'm not gonna say anything more than that come on now frank <laughs> you can't do that man you can't leave me hanging like that what's that all about what happened with linda she's um very much like some of her characters she's really tough she's really intense really yeah yeah she did a good job i mean it was the whole movie was casted great oh my god this woman's so beautiful and it's like matthew said she's the best of the women she's the best of the men she's like you know she's got it all frank any idea where Michael Shoffling is today. Nobody seems to be able to find the guy. Apparently he's making furniture somewhere. Do you have any clue, Frank, where Michael Shoffling is today? Just wanted to get away from everything. He's making furniture in the country and the town doesn't want anybody to know. They all kind of protect him. And I, and I heard that he's maybe teaching some wrestling now. Uh, for some local kids. And, and that's just all I've heard. Matthew went to go visit him uh, one time and his wife, Matthew's wife and Michael's wife, very good friends. And so he kind of said, I'm done with this and I don't want to be bothered. So I, that's why I don't really say exactly where he is. And I want to honor that for him as well. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, man. I mean, he essentially left at the height of his career. Frank, looking back on Vision Quest today, what is your take on how Matthew Modine handled playing the lead role of Loudon Swain. His depiction of Loudon Swain was brilliant. He had a really nice intensity. He was very funny. He had a comedic sense of timing. I thought Matthew did an excellent job with that character. How old were you and how old was Matthew? We were 26 years old. I'd been out of school. I'd, I'd worked as an iron worker for four years and then I went back to school and I was had th about three years of education before this role. So Frank, when you land the role of Brian Shute, what are you thinking at that particular point in time? Are you thinking that, wow, you know, this thing could have potential and Hollywood's going to be calling? What was your mindset at that time? Yeah, not at all. I didn't even read the, I didn't have the whole script. So I didn't even know how much of a, you know, how much uh, this character really played in. I said like, oh yeah, okay. I wrestled him in the final match, but it was like, so what? I, I had no real concept of the overall arc. 
Okay, so when you guys wrap up shooting, what do you do next? I went back to school, went back to bodybuilding. I went back to studying. And, and three months later, I get a phone call. And now I'm back up. My weight's back up. I'm at 217 pounds. And I'm asked to do one more scene. So I say, okay, that one was the weigh-in scene. So they reshot it and got what they wanted. And so I had a whole month to drop that weight. So I dropped that weight. I went right back to school and thinking I was done, done with acting, back to school. Three months later, I get another call. Oh, we got one more scene to do. This time I'm at 225 pounds because I was bulking up, getting ready for a competition, a bodybuilding competition. That was the bathroom scene in which I'm wearing a jean jacket. I'm a little bit bigger or quite a bit bigger than I was in the rest of the movie. After the movie came out, Hollywood came and said, hey, we really liked your work. We liked the movie. We'd like to represent you. At that point, I'm saying, okay, this is like a chance in a lifetime, one in a million. Let's go see what it's all about. Yeah, crazy, man. It's crazy that they kept having to bring you back for these reshoots. So you'd bulk up, have to cut the weight, bulk back up, have to cut the weight. I mean, right? It was so ironic that my character <laughs> was really going through everything that his character was in the movie. Yeah, man. It's just crazy the way that all worked out. The final scene where Brian shoot wrestles Loudon. Frank, how long did that take to shoot? And what do you remember about shooting that scene? During um, filming of the match, the final match, I got an elbow in the nose and my nose started bleeding and we could not stop it. And I was just so depleted. Um, it had to caught, actually cauterize it so we could continue filming. Wow, crazy. And how long did it take to shoot that scene? We shot, I think, three days for 12 to 14 hours, and then we shot a couple more days. It might have been two to three days, just half days on just these close-up shots in and tight and different angles. That's crazy. So about five or six days just to shoot that one scene, which was probably what? I have no idea. Five minutes long, yeah. four minutes long, maybe? Yeah. It's amazing how much you have to do in order to just get those few precious seconds. All right. So let's go back to what you were just talking about, Frank. Hollywood comes calling. They liked your work in Vision Quest. You head down to LA. What happens next? So I had to actually learn how to act. So I enrolled, actually found a class and I did exactly what actors do when they come to LA. I slept in a futon in the front room and I went to acting classes from six to midnight, Monday through Thursday for a year. And then I went to a different class, six to midnight plus for the next two years. I went out on auditions. I got a, right. a modeling agent, gotcha. a commercial agent. A, so let me ask you this. Yeah. So you're living in LA. You're doing the whole struggling actor type thing. Uh, you got some agents. What are you doing at that point in time to support yourself? So I started working as a uh, sorter for UPS from midnight until eight o'clock in the morning. So I'm on a full round of cycle, work, class, auditions. I actually landed another movie, a really kind of a schlocky movie. I did a national commercial, another TV show. Started working up at Universal Studios and the Conan show for two and a half years. It's a live action stage show at Universal for two and a half years. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. Tell me about that. I played a character called Kobad Shaw and I had a double sword. So I had a sword in each hand and I would fight Conan and Red Sonia. Was that fun? Oh, that was just one of the more awesome things because not only did we get to perform, and we did it several times in a day, and it was about 3,500 people in this stadium. It just was one of the highlights of my life. Yeah, it was really cool. That's cool. What was the uh, TV show that you did? I had just a small part where I played a, a drunk person slamming a, a girl into a car. What about the commercial? Oh, yeah, it was a national commercial for Grayskull Castle, and I played a lifeguard. Grayskull Castle. I was like, He-Man, right? Grayskull Castle. 
by the power of Grayskull. Yeah, He-Man. I'm an 80s child, Frank. I was never much into uh, He-Man, <laughs> but uh, I definitely know what you're talking about. So you land a couple of roles. Then what happens? Well, you know, as I'm doing this for three years straight and I'm just living, you know, hand to mouth and um, just really not eating well, drinking too much coffee, not getting enough sleep and just my whole body was breaking down and I just felt unhealthy. My health was shot. I had basically chronic fatigue. I couldn't, couldn't stay uh, awake for any length of time. I couldn't train without having been sore for days afterwards. I knew I needed to change. So I went back, went back to my you know healing. And so I said, where can I go? I'm going to go get a degree in acupuncture. And uh, I did. I got a master's. It took me five years to get a master's degree in oriental medicine. I started a practice with my wife shortly after I graduated. And we've been here since 1995. Yeah, man. Congrats on that. That's quite a while to, uh, to be in business. So Frank, you gave the whole acting thing about three years. What did you think about that experience? But oh my God, I loved it. I loved all the acting classes. I went, I went every night. I never missed. Sure. You know, and Frank, any sort of residuals that come in from Vision Quest? Well, they pay according to what your um, your weekly uh, uh, payment was during the film. So, you know, thirty five years later, you know, I'll get something every right. now. <laughs> I could go buy yeah. a few lattes sure. and sure. you know, uh, that's about it. Yeah, I didn't think the residuals would be very high, but I wanted to ask Frank: Are you in any way like your character Brian Shute from Vision Quest? Um, I love the character. Um, I am different in many ways, but when I'm focused, uh, I'm very much that character and I'm very competitive. I'm very dedicated to, to what I am doing. So that's just uh, an extension of me. Did you, uh, did you keep anything from the set? God, I still have my, my warm up outfit, um, and the shirt that I wore and I had the jacket. I had the Letterman's jacket and I left it at Gold's and it disappeared. And I, oh, I was like, man. oh man, what oh, I wouldn't get to have that man. back. And it's like, oh, oh. Yeah, that sucks, man. It would be cool to have that, but at least you still have the warm up outfit. Frank, I know you have Osani Holistic Healthcare. That's your practice in Pacific Palisades. What else have you been up to since Vision Quest? Since that movie, since the, I walked away and just became an acupuncturist for like 30 years and not really being connected to the wrestling community. Uh, at the 30th anniversary of Vision Quest, that's when people started calling and asking for me to come and be a part of the wrestling world again. I've been reinserted into wrestling community. I go and do appearances. I, uh, I do whatever I can to bring awareness and support because I think wrestling is a very cool sport and it just doesn't get the kind of you know hoopla that football, basketball, and uh, you know sports do. It's really cool, man, that all these years later, you're still involved with the sport. Frank, any word on a potential Vision Quest Part 2? The gentleman that wrote Vision Quest, Terry Davis, is in the process of writing Swain Sun. And uh, we've spoken, and he's he said he's already had people that are interested in it. So um, keep your fingers crossed, man. Let's make this happen. Let's make it happen soon. Wow. Could be interesting. A potential Vision Quest Part 2. Frank, would you say the movie Vision Quest and the role that you played as Brian Shute has changed your life? Yeah, I think it has. And for me, I'm stubborn as hell. It takes me a lot to understand uh, like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. Is that the universe takes us on these journeys and they actually named my journey Vision Quest. So yeah, I left school. I went to LA, you know, dug deep into my own psyche and really tried to look at where I need to grow. 
I think if I would have continued down bodybuilding, I would have had to continue to look at like, oh, certain things in that lifestyle, the steroids and different things, I don't think are going to be good for me. And the universe has took me on a big turn. Like, nope, you're going to have to drop all that weight. Stay away from that stuff. You're not going to be a part of that world. So very different world, very different reality. Uh, how many times did I have to drop weight? Three times. They were preventing me from doing my, my bodybuilding competition. The universe tells us certain things and that some, it takes me three times, right? So it took me three times to say, well, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't be a bodybuilder. <laughs> you should do something else healthier with my life. <laughs> yeah, no, man. Yeah, I totally get it. My wife works in the fitness industry and she's explained to me what bodybuilders go through uh, and what they put their bodies through in order to compete and get ready for competitions. And yeah, man, it's just crazy. And it's a, like you said, man, it's just a completely different world and a different lifestyle. How old are you, Frank? I am 60. I'll be 61 in March. Nice, man. Still in shape from your uh, Vision Quest days? Um, I'm trying to stay in shape because you know, it would be kind of bad form if I showed up as a fat shoot. These appearances. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's pretty funny. A fat shoot just doesn't work. I feel you. Frank, what is your Instagram? Instagram is visionquest underscore shoot 1985. And what about your Facebook? Um, I have two Facebooks. Uh, one is my um, Frank Jasper, but the other one is Frank Jasper at the real Brian shoot. Cool. And like I do with all my guests, Frank, I'll hook up your social media platforms on my webpage as well, which is beingfamouspodcast.com. Any websites out there that you want to plug? Shootshirts.com. And my healing practice is osanihealth.com. O-S-A-N-I health.com. So if you want to know more about my nutrition, because I have a nutrition program and I'm, I'm very much an advocate of holistic health and nutrition is a big part of that. No doubt about it, man. Nutrition is a huge part of all of it. Frank, give me your thoughts on this and then I will let you get out of here, man. All I ever settled for was that we're born to live and then to die. And we got to do it alone, each in his own way. And I guess that's why we got to love those people who deserve it like there's no tomorrow. Because when you get right down to it, there isn't. I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> oh, man, it's so good, Frank. What's it mean to you, Frank? Give me your take. Giving you something to think about, how to live your life. What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? What's important to you? And just like you said, it just comes down to like, you got to just live your life every minute. If you're not, you know, it's like, take a hold. Let's do it. Certainly words to live by and such a great scene right there at the end of the movie. Of course, Loudon Swain beats you, Brian Shute. The music starts, it's journeys, only the young. So positive, Frank, so uplifting, man. It feels like you could run through a brick wall after watching that scene. I love that part of the movie. Frank, next time I am in Malibu, man. We talked about it earlier, Juicy Ladies right there on Sunset. Lunch or coffee is on me, man. I'd love to meet up with you and chat a little bit more. I'm in, I'm in. I love that place. Yeah, let's rock it. Yeah, man, let's do it. Frank, also want to talk a little bit more about uh, just because we didn't do it justice, Frank. You mentioned it, but there's more to say about it, which is shootshirts.com. I tell you what, man, if anybody out there is a Vision Quest fan, you need to check out shootshirts.com. Frank is selling, obviously, shoot t-shirts. He's selling Thompson High backpacks. He's selling Vision Quest gear. You can get autographed pictures of Frank, all kinds of stuff at shootshirts.com. Make sure you check out that website. 
there you go. Frank, thanks for coming on Being Famous Podcast, man. I really do appreciate it. It was really cool to hear all your stories about Vision Quest and what you're up to today. I look forward to being in Malibu soon so we can go hang out and get some coffee or get some lunch. Thanks again, man. I really do appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for reaching out. Good luck in the future. 